This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Grateful. Uh, thank you for another opportunity to look into your word of life. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the many testimonies that we had today of your great work and wonders in our lives. We're grateful. Take all glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we look into your word of life this afternoon, uh, this morning, Lord, speak to us. Teach us by yourself in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, just a brief recap. Uh, what I want to do today is I want to close out what we were talking about last Sunday. Last Sunday, as I was going, I just felt led by the Spirit that we needed to pray. So I cut it. I, I didn't really conclude. I just cut it. You may not have noticed, but I did. You know, And uh, I believe those of you that were prayed for, you were ministered to, and God is removed every blockade Amen. in the name of Jesus. So a quick recap. If it seems like I'm going fast, it's because it's a recap. I'm not repreaching the whole sermon, you know. So uh, we have an app. You can check out our app. You will see the sermon notes there. Uh, or if you go to YouTube or Facebook, you can catch up on the, uh, main, the main body of the sermon. So last Sunday, I said, I, I was talking about the siege is over. And every time we hear a siege, it's, it's a very churchy word for those that have been in church. When you hear siege, you know, you think of the enemy, they are doing me, and all of it. But a siege is simply a blockade, a blockade, something that is blocking a flow to you. You know, it can be an army surrounding a city and preventing goods from going in and coming out. But a siege is basically a blockade. So I said, so pre-pandemic, for example, if you were the type that loved to pray, you love to worship, you love to read the Bible, you love to do all of those things. But post-pandemic, you find out that you, your love for prayer has gone down or almost non-existent. There's a blockade. You are under a siege. Amen. Uh, you, you, you can't read the Bible anymore. You, you prefer Netflix to the Bible. You are under a siege. As a believer, praise the Lord. So a siege is basically a blockade, something that is blocking flow. Amen? So the scripture, the, the, what we're looking at, we're looking at the story of Samaria in 2 Kings chapter 6. You read from 24 to 33. The Bible says King Ben-Hadad besieged the city of Samaria. And I said something last week that what you don't deal with, what you don't deal with now, is going to ultimately deal with you later. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because in this case, this was the third time King Ben-Hadad was besieging or attacking Samaria, was attacking Israel. The second time he surrendered himself, they could have dealt with him once and for all. But King Ahab let him go. Those sins that are festering, those easily besetting sins, those things you are allowing in your life, if you don't deal with them, they will ultimately deal with you. It's a lesson to learn uh, from that. So we talked about the, what causes a siege. So the first thing I said was life. Life just happens. You have not done right. You have not done wrong. You, have not, you, you are just living, and life happens to you. Matthew 6, 34, the Bible says, sufficient to each day is the trouble therein. 
So you just got a portion of the <laughs> trouble for the day. Amen? It's just life. You, you, you've not done anything wrong. And then I want to share a scripture with you. Isaiah 45 verse 7. Isaiah 45 verse 7. Some of you may never have seen this before. But it's the word of God. And this is the word of the Lord through his servant. He said, I create light and make the darkness. I send good times. And guess what? Read it now. It's Bible. It's, that's not my note. They are, it's the scripture they're showing you. He said, I create light and make darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, in case you didn't catch it, I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. You know, so sometimes you may not have done anything wrong. It's not like you're living in sin or anything. Life just happens to you. Ask Job. He, was, he did everything right, but life happened to him. So we're talking about the causes of a siege. Number two, I said carelessness and carefree living. You're just living like there's no tomorrow. I don't care. Let me enjoy my life. And we read the example of uh, the folks in the city called Laish, uh, Judges 18, 7 to 10. I'll just read one verse there. So the tribe of Dan is wanting to take possession of their inheritance. So they sent five spies to go spy the land. And this is what they found. So the, uh, verse 7, Judges 18, verse 7, it says, So the five men went, uh, went on, on to the town of Laish, where they noticed the people living carefree lives, like the Sidonians. They were peaceful and secure. The people were also wealthy because their land was very fertile, and they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. So when these spies went back, they said, we have found a people that are living carefree life. Let's go quickly and attack them and take their land. So when you live a careless free life, a careless life and a carefree life, you expose yourself to all sorts of things. The second thing about these folks was they were isolated from everybody. What I've noticed over the years is when the devil wants to deal with the person, the first thing the devil does is he isolates the person. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many of you watch Animal Channel? Okay, maybe I'm just weird. Okay, all right. When you watch Animal Channel, you notice every, almost all the predators, they don't want to go one-on-one -on -one with the prey. They always isolate one and kill it. So when a lion sees a herd of buffaloes, the lions cannot go head-to-head -head with buffaloes. So what they do is they go in a pack and they run after the herd. They scatter the herd and they look for the one that is isolated. Then they attack and they kill it. When you isolate yourself, you say, I don't care, you know, nobody, this, this, this. And I hear that a lot. When you hear me say these things, I'm not just pulling them from my behind. You know, those are things you hear. You know, people say, ah, no, I don't care. I just go to church. They say prayer. I say amen. I check out. On the day of trouble, there will be nobody. And then they're going to turn around and say, oh, they don't love in that church. Well, you never belong to anything. You just blew in and blew out. So don't do that. Uh, we're talking about causes of siege. Number three, simple disobedience. You, you are disobe oh, disobedience and sin, they go hand in hand. 
Amen. And we had a good laugh on this one. Uh, 1 Kings 20, 35 to 37. It said, Meanwhile, the Lord instructed one of the group of prophets to say to another man, Hit me. But the man refused to hit the prophet. And verse 36, the prophet said to him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, a lion will kill you as soon as you leave me. And when he had, done, when he had gone, a lion did attack and kill him. According to the word of the prophet, verse 37, this guy very smart. Then the prophet turned to another man and said, hit me. So the man struck the prophet and wounded him. He said, not only will I hit you, I will hit you in a way that you will never forget. So he gave him a real dirty blow. <laughs> you know, obedience will expose you to issues in, uh, disobedience rather, will expose you to issues in life. So we saw that man lost his life because of simple disobedience. And, uh, you know, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they lied in Acts chapter 5, you know, and it, it became a problem for them. They lost their lives. Adam and Eve were separated from God. Why? Because they disobeyed God. So this, the sin of disobedience is a very serious sin. And this is what we didn't get to last time, uh, how to overcome a siege how to overcome a siege. And I, I started talking about this. I said GPS. So I was referring to the sermon two Sundays ago that what you need to overcome a siege is GPS. Uh, in that sermon, I said G stands for God, and P stands for prayer or praise, and S stands for service. And that's what you need. So the first thing, when you identify and you realize that, I'm indeed under a siege. No new ideas, no vision. You feel hopeless. Your life seems like it's grounded. And nothing is happening. You think about your life the past four, five, six, seven years. Things have just been the same. It's like you're going around in a circle. You're under a siege. Amen? So what do I do? How do I overcome? How do I push through? How do I get away from that? Number one, put God first. Put God first. When you look at the story in uh, in Second uh, Kings chapter six, when their breakthrough was going to come, the first thing that happened in chapter seven, verse one, is there was a word that came from the Lord. You need to hear from God. You know, and many people when they say, "Listen to God, let God speak to you," many people are looking for dramatic. You know, like that, an earthquake, and the Lord said, Ben, 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 my son, here is what I will have you do. Lies don't happen like that. How many people here, all liars will go to hell. How many people here, when God spoke to you, he said, Ben, 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 Timmy, 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 my son, you're standing on holy ground. How many people raise your hand? Amen? So, when God speaks, God uses the ordinary things of life to speak to us. Amen? In a sermon, God can speak to you. You can be having a conversation with somebody and something strikes in your heart. They didn't even know they spoke to you. Just having a common conversation. Remember Gideon. Gideon was looking for a confirmation whether he should go to battle. 
The Bible says he was walking by and he had two people talking. One was narrating his dream to another and that conversation he overheard was a, was a confirmation from God, God speaking to him and giving him a confirmation. If you remember, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, 11 through 13, the Bible says the earthquake came, the fire came, the thunder came, and God was not in it. Verse 12, the Bible says, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was a sound of what? A gentle whisper. There's always a nudging in your heart when God is speaking to you. There's a nudging. You feel something, but for the most part, because he's not pushing you like the devil. <laughs> so what, what made you do it? The devil. How did he do it? He forced me. I just fell into fornication. How do you fall into fornication? Excuse me, somebody. You, you, are there children here? You wholesomely took off everything. You became naked. Okay, you didn't go all the way naked, but at least you took your pants off. You did something. You say you fell. How, which part of falling is that? I don't get it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You think it's funny. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> Amen? So, when God is speaking to you, is a nudging. It's a nudging. It's a nudging. You know, God will never force you and make you do anything. He nudges you to do the right thing. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. The word of God. You must cherish the word of God in your heart. If the word of God does not prick your conscience, nothing else can. Otherwise, you're talking about emotions now. You know, the exhortation yesterday, after the service, somebody came and met me and said, Pastor, thank you very much. He said, truly, there's nothing to settle in heaven. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about you. We're not there. You know, he, he, he said, there's nothing to settle in heaven. And pulled somebody else and said, this person and myself, we have not been talking. And we need to settle now. And we resolved it. At the word of God. The word of God. Not emotion. Not anything. The sermon was like 10 minutes long. And somebody was convicted. Why? The word of the Lord. You need a word from God. 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Elisha said, by this time tomorrow, the siege is over. Can I prophesy to somebody today that your siege is over? Yeah. In the name of Jesus. He said, by this time tomorrow, the siege is over, and the people couldn't... Oh, no, no, no. I'm not reading. This is my own interpretation. <laughs> so he said to them, he said, this time tomorrow, X and Y will sell for this much. You're buying gas today for $3.90. And he said, by tomorrow, gas will become 99 cents. He said, pastor, for where? For where? Even if petroleum... The crude is gushing from heaven. It will not happen. And that's what some people said. Some people said to the prophet, it cannot happen. Watch what you say. Watch your mouth. The Bible says the power of life and death 
is in the tongue. When something is too big for you and you cannot conceptualize it in your mind, just say, Lord, help me, Jesus. Help me see what you're saying. Help, help my understanding to be able to grasp what you're saying. Don't say it is not possible. Because what the prophet said happened. The people that said it cannot happen, they saw it. But they did not partake in it. They saw it, but they could not partake in it. And that is the story of many in the church. You know, you keep hearing words of prophecy, or you hear a sermon, you say, Pastor, it's just, I know where he's going with this sermon. You are the critique that is always measuring sermon. I know where he's going to land. You know, and it may very well land where you said it's going to land. But because you did not identify with it, you did not receive it for yourself, you will see it happen in other people's life, and then you'll be saying, it just, it's just a mistake. I like those kind of coincidences. It's just a coincidence. Coincidence that is working for my sake. God will turn things around for you. In the name of Jesus. So he said, he said by tomorrow, the siege will be over, and you will see. And the people that did not believe, they saw it, but could not partake of it. So what am I saying? How do I overcome a siege? You need a word from God. You need a word from God. You need to go to God in prayer, your face on the floor, and say, Lord, just speak to me. Lord, just speak to me. The problem with many is you are too busy looking around, you can't hear what God is saying. Ah, what is moving now? Amen? IT. I'm going to do scrum. It's okay. I'm a scrum master. You know? You're welcome. The, the field is very, the sky is wide. You know, I, oh, I'm going to do scrum. Go do scrum. You know, oh, then tomorrow is uh, something else. It's no longer scrum. It's, uh, it's, I, I'm going to do that one too. And then I'm going to do this one. Now you are getting confused, really. Really. Put your face down and say, Lord, speak to me. Say, Lord, lead me. Lord, direct my path. Let your word be my lamp. Let it be my lamp. Show me the way. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus Christ, the truth, the life, and the way. He's the way. When he reveals to you, you will know what to do. You will know what to do. When Jesus met with uh, uh, Saul, which uh, Paul, that we call, call Paul, the Bible says, when he made that appearance to him, what did he ask? He said, Lord, what would you have me do? Yes. What would you have me do? And Jesus said to him, go do this, go do that. The problem with many is if you are the one sponsoring yourself, if you are the one speaking to yourself, you will be the one that will continue to sustain yourself. Amen? You can't ask God to sponsor a project he has not sent you. It's your project. It's your personal project. So emotionally and in every way, you will have to carry that project through. Something I saw here is the, the way God works, friends, never presume on God. Say that to your neighbor. Say to the other neighbor. Now say it to yourself. Many people, the challenge we have, I'm telling you the honest truth, the challenge we have is if there's, I say this often, so you say, oh, here he goes again. That's okay. 
a lot of times, if a word comes, God will raise help for you. You already have an image of the person that must help you in your head. <laughs> you already have an image. I will go talk to Brother Shim after service. As pastor was talking, I just see Brother Shim. I just saw his face. Because you have preconceived that in your mind. You say, oh, no, this one. <laughs> Pastor Ebukun, I, I will just, he will know how to work. No. God will raise help for you, and he will raise help for you. In this case, that promise that God gave, four insignificant lepers were the people God used. People that were stuck outside of the city. People that were considered unclean and could not even enter the city were the people God used. God did not use an army. They didn't use chariots. He didn't say, let's go fight the enemy. No. Four men. Four men. You say, what's that? Not the Senate. Not the Senate. Nobody. He, he raised four lepers. My God. Four lepers. How did, he, how, did, how did it happen? You know, when you get home, read it because we don't have uh, a lot of time left. I think they cut that thing. Showing five minutes now. (laughs) Okay, but listen, listen quick, listen quick. (laughs) Listen quick. When you read from verse 3 to about 10, the Bible says, number one, the lepers said said to themselves, we stay here, we die. If we stay here, we're just going to what? We're just going to die. That was God nudging them. That even though where you are, it seems okay, but not really okay. But this thing is not going to work in the long run. God was nudging them. And I thank God, with the nudging of God, they took action. They took action. But before they took action, they thought about it. They said, if we stay here, there is famine in the city. We live off of the leftovers from the city. But now, the people in the city themselves, they are hungry. In fact, if you read it, Second uh, Kings chapter 6, the Bible was talking about how much they sold a donkey's head. Jews don't eat donkey. You know, but because the famine was so great, they were eating donkeys, and even the head of a donkey was so expensive they couldn't even afford it. It was that bad. You know, so those lepers said to themselves, if we stay here, the people in the city, they are dying of hunger. If we stay here, guaranteed we will die. You know what? God was nudging. The, they didn't hear a voice from heaven. There was no thunder. This is the voice of the Lord. If you stay here, you will die. Nothing like that. And some of you, God has been nudging you, but you are too comfortable where you are. You are too comfortable. It might look okay now, but because God knows the present, he knows the tomorrow, he knows yesterday, he knows all things, he's nudging you to make a change now, but you are still stuck up on where you are. It's, ah, this thing is sweet, this thing is good, ah, nothing like this, a, a change is coming. A change is coming. So God began to nudge them. And they said, hmm, we stay here, we die. We go to the enemy's camp, perhaps they will spare our lives. It was not a sure thing, but at least there was a glimmer of hope. 
So they took action. They walked and decided going towards the enemy's camp. Sometimes, for your victory to come, you have to go to where you dread. Where you have dread, where you have dreaded. Is that a word? Yes. Okay, thank you. It's called self-awareness. English is not my first language. You know, I may sound good, talk good, but every once in a while. <laughs> the hiccups. Anyway, <laughs> where you have dreaded might be where God is taking you. So they, they said, okay, we will go. We will go. And as they were going, okay, somebody listen to this. Your miracle is in your going. Your miracle is in your going. Your miracle is in your obedience. Because while they stood at the gate, nothing happened. The enemies camp, they were fine, they were enjoying life. And they were putting pressure on their system. But the moment those four lepers began to go, who has seen a leper before? Okay, I have. I have. I have seen lepers in the past. The, the bacteria that causes leprosy eats up bone. It eats up bone. So that's why you will see their fingers are falling off, their toenails are falling off, the, the foot might be falling off. So it is not unlikely when you see a leper walking, he's walking with a stagger. Why? Because everything is out of balance. It was the people out of balance. As they were working out of balance, supporting each other, as they were going in the enemy's camp, they were hearing chariots. They were hearing like horses. That's what they were hearing. Even though it was just four lepers, they were going where God is taking you. If you will only believe God, as you are going, you are afraid of the interviewers. But when they saw you, they saw the glory. <laughs> I said, when they see you, they will see the glory. And when they see the glory, excuse me, they cannot but accept you. By the time you are done with the interview, after you get the job, you will now be asking yourself, what was I afraid of? Your fear was real. God just took control. <laughs> Hallelujah. The fear was real, but God took control. Your, it is high time for your fear to begin to be, to, it is high time for your fear to begin to fear you. <laughs> you know what the scripture says? To the children of Israel, God said, your fear and your dread shall be upon the people. Your fear and your dread shall be upon the people. You show up with a smile, but they are looking at you. They are saying, ah, we can't mess with this one. <laughs> this one, this one is too much. In the mighty name of Jesus. What did they do? First and foremost, they said to themselves, we stay here, we die. Second of all, 
they considered the other option. Perhaps if we go to the other side, we might survive. Number three, they took action. They didn't sit on the information. They took action. What have you been sitting upon? What have you been sitting on? Let me conclude by saying this. You know, we've done this like three times now. There's a, there's a series we've done in church. Uh, we call it, well, we don't call it. it. That is what it is called. It is called Experiencing God by Dr. Henry Blackaby. You know, they have DVDs and things, you know. We've done it like three times now. And what it, is simply, what it simply talks about is how do I, how can I experience God? Say so the way to experience God is first by knowing his will and doing his will. How do I know his will for me to do his will? Say, so look around you. There is always something God is doing around you. Many of us are just not attentive enough. Many of us are consumed by ourselves that you cannot see what God is doing. I'll give you a quick example, and Wale knows this. So at my job, we decided we're going to start a fellowship. This is corporate now, corporate America. It's not one run off the store corner. You know, corporate America. We decided, and we started. Do you know Friday, a number of people could not attend. And I said to them, I said, look, how about we just pray today? Since majority of us are not here, because we, right now we're going through the gospel of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew. So I said, let's just pray today. And we prayed. By the time we were done praying, we all agreed. Let's just make one of our meetings in a month just about prayer because we have such an awesome time in God's presence. When you are not paying attention to what God is doing around you, you will just be seeing impossibilities and difficulties, what cannot be done. Ah, you cannot do that. This is corporate America. You cannot just talking all kinds of stuff. But God is always working something out around you. Anywhere God places you, he didn't put you there by mistake. For example, your being here today and hearing this is not an accident. It's not a freak. Oh, I just came for something. Whatever you came for, God ordained for you to be here. That is why I tell people, you're hearing a sermon. You say, ah! How I wish Bobby was here. No, you are here. It's for you. It's not for Bobby. If God wanted Bobby to be here, to hear it, God would have brought Bobby. It's for you. Oh, ah! Stephanie really needs to hear this. No, you need to hear it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me close. Let me close. Let me close. Number one, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is something God is doing right now. He's saving souls. He's saving lives. Or perhaps your walk with God is rocky and it's not very stable. God wants to stabilize it. So everybody, please rise to your feet. With every eye closed, every head bowed. You say, Pastor, I, I need prayer. I want to, I, I, I feel what you're saying. Just wave, wave to me, wave to me. I'm just going to pray with you. Anybody? 
Anybody? Who will stabilize their work with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jehovah, let it be well with them. We know heaven is our destination. Lord, their name in the book of life, Lord, will not be taken out. In the name of Jesus. In heaven, we will reign with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.